Hello, everyone. I'm Emily Lavender, and welcome to the Forever Marriage Podcast. Forever Marriage exists to strengthen families by helping couples discover God's design for marriage. One of our hopes through the Forever Marriage Podcast is to provide our listeners with biblical truths, professional advice, best practices, and personal experiences for various areas of your marital relationship. Joining me again today are Scott and Dawn Smith. Scott serves as discipleship pastor at Lakewood Baptist Church, and his wife Dawn, of 31 years, gives leadership to the women's ministry also at Lakewood. Scott and Dawn, we're glad you guys are here with us today. It's good to be here, Emily. Thank you, Emily. We're glad to be back on the podcast today. (laughs) So Scott and Dawn, you guys have been counseling couples for 15 years. 20 years now in ministry Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you guys have seen a variety of different factors that can cause conflict in marriage Mm -hmm. today we have a question from a listener from a husband uh, which revolves around conflict in marriage due Mm -hmm. to finances Mm -hmm. okay Okay. so here's here's what the husband writes he says we've been married for 28 years my spouse continues to run up credit card accounts in the tens of thousands of dollars she refuses to give up her cards she refuses professional help I've personally paid off her debt many times over the years, only to go through the same scenario over and over again. Why should I remain in this marriage at my financial demise when she refuses to get help? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say with this one, Emily, um, one of the things that Dawn and I have seen through the years is finances is one of the largest contributors to marital uh, distress. Mm-hmm. Um it, it is up there with probably uh, issues with regard to sexuality, uh, intimacy in marriage. Those two tend to be the Achilles heels for many marriages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's look at some of the key issues as we're looking at his question. They've been married for 28 years. So what it says to me is, as he's already alluded to, there, there's a pattern going on here. And it, as he's described it, there is a repeated pattern. One of the things that we find in working with couples, often when there's an issue, one partner thinks it's solely their partner's issue. If I could just get her to quit spending or that type thing. Uh, but what we find is it's rarely just a one-person issue. Most often, I would venture to say almost always, Emily, it is both partners' issues. So one of the things that I would encourage this man, if he were sitting in the office with me, is I would ask him, okay, what are you doing to contribute to this issue? At the minimum, I would think he's at least enabling some unhealthy patterns. Right. Now, it's gotten serious. They've run up tens of thousands of dollars, as he's saying, and he's trying to pay it off and has paid it off a number of times. But it says they've never really dealt with the core issue there. Yeah, I agree. And I, I do think that, though, even when we're asking questions, we're in, we reach that place of desperation where, um, you know, things, things have reached a crisis point. So mm-hmm. I would say this has probably gotten to that, that place. When we're so frustrated with somebody, we tend to, we tend to sugarcoat our own part of the process and we tend to exaggerate somebody else's Mm -hmm. our spouse's part of the Mm -hmm. of the problem yeah um and so it's really hard to um to know exactly what's going on here but i think it's wise to ask a question and to be able to seek third-party help because after you have repeated a cycle so many times 
you need some objective outside somebody looking at mm-hmm. the situation to be able to evaluate what's really going on here. What has um, kept this crazy cycle going on now for 28 years? Because mm-hmm. um, that's a really long, that's a really long that's time a to long be married, time. you yeah. know, and to have a pattern going on uh, during the, the course of that whole 28 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's, let's address one of the key issues here is my spouse continues to run up credit card accounts in the tens of thousands of dollars. That's that says to me there is obviously a very unhealthy pattern. You know, scripture speaks of it this way, Emily. Proverbs twenty two seven says this the rich rules over the poor and the borrower becomes the lender slave. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower becomes the lender slave. So whether this couple or whether she realizes it or not, they, they are putting themselves in bondage. Mm-hmm. And one thing I know when we're in bondage, it is a very, it is not a healthy place to be. And so acknowledging that, if I were talking to her, if what he is saying is true, she's running up tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt. I would, I would ask her if she were sitting across from me, I would say, what are you seeking to fulfill in this? Because it says to me, if that is a true statement, that there is a longing in her heart, a desire uh, for something that she is thinking these purchases, these material possessions, these are going to bring fulfillment mm-hmm. to me. And one of the things I do know in life, I've learned it in my own life, is material things will rarely ever bring uh, lifelong fulfillment, joy, happiness. It's temporary. That's why she's run up 10000 He's paid it off, but she runs up more because she's never that longing that can only be filled with a, a relationship with Jesus Christ to where we know that we are fully loved, fully accepted, fully secure in him, that longing is going to always be there until we are assured of that reality. Blaise Pascal put it this way. He said, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us. And if she were in my office, I would, I would say to her, I would address that hole that she thinks apparently mm-hmm. is going to be fulfilled by material things, but it's never going to be there. Let's address this next one. She refuses to give up her cards. What Dawn and I know when we're working with couples, all of us approach uh, finances through one of three, four lenses, one of four lenses. We either look at money through the lens of security. We look at money through the lens of status. We look at money through the lens of uh, control, or we look at money through the lens of enjoyment. Mm -hmm. And if I were... If I'm reading between the lines here, I get a sense that there maybe she is looking at money through a means of control and security. Control in the sense where it says, if he's being truthful here, she refuses to give up her cards. What that says to me is she's saying, I do not want you to control me in this Mm -hmm. area. I want to have control here. And... (laughs) Don, you could speak to this, but what we often see in marriage, and this is a key area, especially in finances, because when couples get married, that's one of the last pieces of the puzzle that often comes together is this issue of finances. Because, for instance, before you and Benji married, 
Benji controlled. He paid his bills. You paid your bills. Mm -hmm. You were living separately. And so you, it wasn't until you set up an established home together that your finances actually started coming together. And what we find for many couples is changing the mindset of this is my money to this is our money. Yeah. In this instance, he can't really say this is her credit card debt. No, I would say to him, this is our credit card debt. Mm -hmm. This is both of your credit card debt. Were you guilty in it? No, but you were at least enabling her to run this this uh, debt up. Yeah, I, I do think that whenever, you know, when, when we cling so tightly to something, you know, when we, we when we, when we clamp down on something in an effort to have control, then that tells me that at some point that person has been out of control in a, such a way that there was a determination in there that I don't ever want to feel that way That's again. Right. Mm -hmm. And so whatever it takes to remain in control is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Even at the, at the expense of their own real, real mm -hmm. security, mm -hmm. because if this is, this is really just creating a false sense of security right. and control mm -hmm. um, is only a matter of time before s security gets yanked out and control gets yanked out. When you build up credit debt like this, it is, as you say, mm -hmm. you are the slave to the lender. Mm -hmm. And when that lender decides I want to be, I want my money back, mm -hmm. then you are literally a slave to them. You will do whatever they decide that you're going to do. Yeah. This is building a very false sense of control and security that is a house of cards. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of time before it comes before it comes comes down. Yeah. In most people's lives, it's it's not a matter of if the breaking point will come. It's a matter of when the breaking point comes. And when in the four word statement that he says there, she refuses professional help. One of the keys for us to ever have breakthroughs, to have transformation in life, uh, is, is our first step of acknowledging, I am out of control, I need help. Mm -hmm. And until she realizes, I am out of control, I need help, she's going to continue to perpetuate these same unhealthy patterns. But as Dawn said, in this case, if she's running up tens of thousands of dollars, and most credit card or now, I would assume she's probably going to be paying somewhere upwards of 17 18% more of interest on these unpaid debts. Uh, she, it's just an unhealthy cycle that's just going to get them nowhere mm -hmm. fast. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to address really the last question because I know that this, whoever wrote this question, I, you know, I can see the difficulty, the frustration, sure. the you know, all of that, the bigness of it mm -hmm. to them. It's overwhelming. It is overwhelming and frustrating and um, and a challenge. But by the time people land in our office, a lot of them are asking this question, why should I remain mm -hmm. in this marriage? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, would, I would say this. One, you made some covenant commitments mm -hmm. um, to the Lord. Uh, you know, when, when we enter into marriage and when we stand before, I'm going to, I'm going to go from a place of this is a Christian couple, mm -hmm. um, is that we, we made some vows that have real significance to them. And when we 
when we seek to honor those vows in the best way that we can, then God comes alongside us to help us in our hour of need, to fill that gap where we feel like, you know what, I can't do it. I, I can't, I, can't, I don't understand this. I, I, I think that this is a, a true mess. It, you know, when we have, when we see each other as the problem for so long, then we feel like we're justified in wanting to come out. Mm-hmm. But we've not really given God a, a chance to come alongside us and to help us. But he's going to require our cooperation with him to be able to say, Lord, I need you to, I need to stop looking over across the way at her. I need to start looking at me. Mm-hmm. I need to figure out where I am refusing yeah. professional help. I need to uh, need to figure out what am I not willing to give up here. Mm-hmm. I need to figure out why have I been pegging this off time and time again. I need you to look in my heart. There's only one Savior, mm-hmm. and credit and divorce is not it. Yeah. So for us, we would say there are a lot of reasons to stay in here. I mean, mm-hmm. you've been married for 28 years. That's a long time to be with somebody. Mm-hmm. You still have the potential to be together a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, a redeemed marriage where you have come from a place like this, where you've seen God do amazing work in your marriage over time, and you get to tell that story, then you get to offer hope and freedom to a whole other generation of couples who are experiencing the very same things. Yeah. So I would say to this person, listen, do not throw in the towel yet. Yeah. Don't do it. G- you get out and get some professional help. And mm-hmm. I know that's why this person is asking, but maybe there's something different that you can do that might provoke some real change. Will it be hard? Yes, it will be hard. Will it be met with resistance? You bet it will be met with resistance. Mm-hmm. But it's always worth uh, taking a moment to say, God, I need your help. We need your power yeah. in this relationship yeah. to be able to break this crazy cycle that we're in. Um, and even if they don't submit themselves to you, I'm going to. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do the next right thing mm-hmm. in hopes that you will save our marriage. Yeah. We just recently released on forevermarriage.org uh, a blog about this very idea of the keys to our freedom often becoming the keys to someone else's freedom. And as you're talking, Dawn, I'm, I'm reminded of, of Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, years ago, was in commercial real estate and was in debt over a million dollars and went bankrupt. Uh, but God taught him lessons during that broken season of life. And Dave took his brokenness where he found financial freedom through Jesus Christ and has now used it for the greater good of other people. And I would say to this man, if he were sitting there, I know this feels helpless and I can't put myself in your shoes, but uh, I, I understand you, you want relief. What we find in couples, Emily, at times is in the midst of turmoil like this, rather than seeking God, they seek relief. I, he's, he's, he is thinking he, in this last question, why should I remain in this marriage at my financial demise when she refuses to get help? What he is essentially saying there is, I want relief. Mm-hmm. And is it okay for me to walk away to right. get that relief? Yeah. And I would say to him, and I would appeal to him as a brother, if he's a brother in Christ, no, you cannot walk away. Mm. You have made a covenant. And it does not say until finances do us part. The covenant is until death do us part. And so and the I would reality challenge. is if he walks away, 
he still walks away with what he's been carrying right. all along that has got him to yeah. gotten him here. That's right. He he just walks away with all of that plus the baggage of a broken 28 year marriage, That's right. and he's going to walk right all of that into the life of somebody, somebody else. else. And mm -hmm. so you know it's not as simple as walking mm -hmm. away. We're just never able to do that. Mm -hmm. So let me pray. I'm going to pray for this couple. Yeah, thank you. So, Father, I just pray if this couple is listening at any point to our podcast, I pray for their freedom. I ask you to do a work in them and through them and for them, Lord, that they can never do on their own. Bring them both, Lord, to an end of themselves. May they both be willing to acknowledge their own sinful behaviors that have gotten them to this point. May they not cast blame. May they not shift blame to one another. May they be willing to admit that it's against you and you only, as David said, against you and you only that they have sinned. Lord, bring them to a point of contrition. Bring them to a point of brokenness, a willingness to be willing, Lord, to find help in healing. As Donna said, Lord, we know that you are the only Savior. And I pray that somehow, some way, they would experiencing, experience the saving grace of you in their life in this particular issue of life. And I pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm so glad um, that you spent some time to pray for him. I know that sometimes for me, when I resolve to, to do what I feel like the Lord is leading me to do, it's not so long until I'm tempted to kind of give up on that, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think it would be wise too to, to find somebody to kind of walk alongside this man for mm -hmm. accountability That's say, right. Hey, how are you doing in this? Mm -hmm. You know, hang in there. Cause I, I know that the body of Christ is just so good in that way. So, yeah. well, thank you guys so much mm -hmm. for your, your insight, your wisdom, super helpful. As we close, I'd like for us to end with um, just a best practice for a forever marriage. So what is something that you guys have found to be a best practice for your marriage? I love this. I love this question. I love this because I feel like, um, listen, in businesses and to be a great businessman, to be uh, great in your profession, no, what, no matter what it is, I think that you have to really commit to be a, a great learner, to always be learning what are best practices. What are the things that the most successful are putting into place that really helps create momentum in, a, in, in whatever that they're doing to propel them forward. And I feel like best practices in marriage is, is, is really no different, that if we're not intentional about putting into, um, into play some things that are going to enrich our relationship, things that are going to, it's going to create shared experiences together, it's going to create momentum for us, it carries us, propels us forward um, rather than the things, the issues that can bog us down or separate us are going to drag us down, keep us th in the same places that we were. Mm -hmm. So I think well, today, you know, what we really want to talk about is the best practice of dating your spouse. Yes. Um, you know, when we're, when we're first getting together and we're, you know, we're dating each other, it's all magical. It's excitement. We're, we're just thinking about things to do together. Mm -hmm. Uh, but over time, you know, we get married, kids come along, and the, the business of making life go takes over. And we eventually just begin to talk about the kids, cash, the calendar, the career, and that's kind of where we stay most of the time. Um, and we lose that, um, 
intentionality of dating each other. So, you know, Scott and I've been married for 31 years now and a a few years back. I mean, we've tried to, we've tried to be intentional about Mm -hmm. dating and having a date night when our kids were little and then being creative when our kids were in school and shifting our dates from either evenings to lunches or during the daytime or something like that. Um, one of the things that we picked up from a friend, some friends of ours who, uh, she's a school teacher and, uh, they're some of our great friends from college. And one time when we were together, she said, you know, my husband, Larry and I go on a field trip in the summer. We'll just pick a field trip Friday. And I thought, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to steal that one. So Mm -hmm. Scott and I have been taking field trip Fridays now for several years where we just, we make a list of things that we could do in a day that's really in like in a 50 mile radius of where we live um whether it's ball games that we want to take in or gardens that we're going to go visit or hikes that we want to go do or a restaurant that's further away that we've heard about a cool place and we just pick that and we do it for the day and we might not we don't do it every friday but at least we try to do it once a month where we'll take we'll just make it a field trip a field trip friday we may take a you know, a lunch somewhere and hike up to a mountain and, you know, be up on the top and have lunch together or something like that. But it's really that simple uh, of a thing That's good. for us. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's good. Something that Benji and I've enjoyed doing is just an impromptu lunch date. You know, mm-hmm. when the kids are at school, it's nothing fancy. It's nothing, you know, but we have 45 minutes to an hour together mm-hmm. um, and just do a little lunch date. So that's good. Yeah. Continue dating. And I want to reiterate, Emily, what Dawn said. I don't know if couples called it, but on these dates, what we challenge, and it's not to say that you can't talk about these four areas at all, but we in chat, we challenge couples to remove conversations about the kids, about the cash, about the calendar, about the careers. Those are the default conversations over dinner or whatever. Those are the easy things to talk about. But what we challenge couples on in, in these the best practice of intentionally dating your mate is to be strategic about your conversation about us. Mm-hmm. And I might say to Dawn, I call her girl, that's my pet name for her, so I'll just say, so girl, how are we doing? Right. And in doing so, I'm simply saying, what's working for us, honey? What's not working for us? How can I help you? Those In that one question, so girl, how are we doing? In our date time, she's answering three questions. What's working? What's not working? How can you help me, Scott? Mm -hmm. And that, as we practice that, and as I act on that, that increases the intentionality and the intimacy between the two of us. Yeah. We, you know, because of what we do, we talk about marriage a lot. And we talk about other people's marriages a lot. Uh, but that doesn't translate into our own marriage or enrichment necessarily. We learn a lot, and it might provoke some conversation. But our marriage is really dependent on our own investments in what in our conversations and getting down to really what's going on. I mean, we were just gotten down when we married. Mm-hmm. We're just gotten down now, and for us to continue on uh, doing what we do. We want to be, we want to have a healthy marriage to leave a good legacy for our kids, for our grandkids. You know, we, we, that's what we really desire. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to happen if we don't push past the normal conversations that every couple has and really get down into how are we doing? How are you doing really? What do you need from me? Mm-hmm. How can I help you? Mm-hmm. 
where do I need to ask for forgiveness? You know, where have I hurt you if I have this week? Some of those really deep questions can happen on on our field trip Fridays or any dates, Mm -hmm. you know, that we really go on. So Mm -hmm. I think it's very, very important. And just look, it just adds um, a level of fun to the relationship. Mm -hmm. Man, sometimes it's just hard to to be parents in in the trenches and Mm -hmm. where we are now we're you know we're caring for our parents so sometimes life can be tough and it's just good to take a break get away have some fun Mm -hmm. have a shared experience together just to add some levity to the relationship again to enjoy each other I think it's just those things are just super important that's good. I like it. So best practice for forever marriage for this week is to continue dating your spouse. Mm-hmm. If you need some ideas, we've recently put out um, some spring and summer date ideas. You can check that out on our website. So yeah, continue dating your spouse. We want to encourage all of our listeners that uh, the Forever Marriage podcast is meant to be a helpful resource for you. And so we encourage you to send in your questions and we'll look forward to answering those in the days ahead. Um, You can do that on our website at forevermarriage.org. Scott and Dawn, thank you guys for being with us today. We look forward to to the next time.